not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. We were discouraged with all the negativity in the world and decided to focus on finding some good out there. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast with me, Teresa. And me, Amy. We're two ordinary moms looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. So, hey, Teresa, how's your week? It's been a long week. <laughs> my, my oldest year, I've been talking about him moving out, moving out, but yeah. now it's finally happening. Oh. And yeah, it's very hard. So, when my voice isn't like all excited and yeah. jumping all around, that's why. Nice. So, yeah, I can relate. It's a good thing. You know, yeah. It's, it, it's what's supposed to happen, but right. still. still makes, it's, it's still hard. hard. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to talk a little bit about a nonprofit here in Portland, Oregon called Harper's Playground. Um, it's an inclusive playgrounds uh, started by two parents. So. I love the local stuff you always find. Um, so this is episode 101. Wow. I know. Crazy. But I'm going to talk a little bit about this book called Funny Farm by Lori Zaleski. She promised her mom farm and now has 600 rescue animals that are grateful for that promise. So really good book. And then I'm going to talk briefly about a local animal hero. I finally have someone that my sister told me about, Lee Asher. He's trying to help people have better days and get animals adopted. So great combo. Yeah, and he's in Estacada, so right around the corner, kind of. (laughs) I heard about this local nonprofit, Harper's Playground. In 2009, founder Cody Kohlberg's uh, five-year-old daughter, Harper, went to play at the neighborhood playground. As she approached the play structure, her walker got stuck in the wood chips. Cody and his wife, April, saw their daughter's frustrations and wanted to do something about it. Initially, they met with Portland Parks and Recreation. They suggested the city should build an inclusive playground. They were told there was no budget for new projects, but they didn't let that stop them. It was clear to them that playgrounds are a vital part of a child's life where children get to play and make friends. Mm -hmm. In 2010, they created Harper's Playground dedicated to building better, all-inclusive playgrounds around the world. In order to make their playgrounds accessible to all youth and families, they have a team that designs, builds, and trains how to create these inclusive and sustainable, which is cool too, nature-focused playgrounds. Their playgrounds provide access to people who otherwise would be cut off from the outdoor exploration and play. Sadly, despite standards for accessibility established over 30 years ago in 1990 by the Americans um, with Disabilities Act, playgrounds remain inaccessible. That's it's really shocks me. It is shocking. So people with mobility challenges that use a walker or wheelchair, wood chips, and stairs prevent access. There are so many benefits of play, both mental and physical. April and Cody got support from Arbor Lodge neighborhood. It's near Peninsula Park in Northeast Portland. Mm -hmm. Then over the next few years, they gained momentum, receiving grant money. They partnered with the Timbers Army and a creative agency, Factory North, to raise $40,000 through this like art design show called Art Takeover. Uh, Just to name a few partners, finally in 2012, Harper's Playground was open to the public. 
The thoughtful design allows people of all ages and abilities to easily play together. There is a gathering place, an elevated sand table uh, with mm-hmm. a water pump, a xylophone that kids can make, play music, climbing walls of different challenge levels, an accessible hill with a slide and climbing net, an omni-spin, uh, universally accessible adaptive swing seats, and a cute bronze sea turtle by local artist oh, Peter Heltzer. Since Harper's Playground opened in 2012, they've built five playgrounds in Oregon, two in Washington, one in Iowa, one in Indiana. They even built one in Tokyo, Japan. I mean, I just love these parents' unrelenting spirit to desi- you know, and desire to make playgrounds accessible for all and all over the world. Yeah, you know, very cool. So cool. I've had Funny Farm in my pile of books pretty much since it came out, and I just kept choosing other books instead for whatever reason. It took me a bit to grab it, but once I started it. I had such a hard time. <laughs> I, love, it down. I love the name, though. I know, isn't it cute? It was a perfect combination of heartfelt stories with a humorous spin all about her life. Lori Zaleski kept enough humor throughout the book. I got teary a time or two, and they were mostly animal related. Aww. It's a very sweet book, but she describes these critters so well you can't help but love them without even meeting them. It was like dessert after dinner. Each chapter ended with an animal tail. She spelled it T-A-I-L. That's cute. And those were my favorite parts of the book. I just couldn't wait to get to the next one. Lori Zaleski didn't grow up with the dream of having an animal farm. She grew up appreciating art at an early age, admiring it, and drawing herself. Eventually, she founded Art Z Graphics. It was her mom's dream, the farm, that is. Well, she called it her dream, but maybe it was more that it was her mom's wish just to take care of as many neglected or abused animals that she possibly could. I'm so impressed that this woman, Lori, loved her mother enough to honor her dream. And we're not talking a little dream. Right, yeah. (laughs) This is huge. Annie wanted to care for any animal, Annie was her mother, that needed help. The life she demonstrated for her children definitely deserved a book. So, yeah, this book's amazing. As a teenager, her mother thought she might join a convent and become a nun. Wow, yeah. Instead, as Lori put it in the book, she met the devil. With a fair complexion and Paul Newman eyes, Annie was smitten with her husband-to-be. Richard was smart, too, and became quite successful, owning multiple homes, driving Cadillacs, and he was well-known around town. Wow. You know, well-to-do. The physical abuse didn't begin at the start of their marriage, but the control issues this man had were off the charts. I mean, yes, she had a beautiful red brick house in an upper-class neighborhood. They hosted these fancy events. I mean, events that were important enough to be in the local paper. Wow, yeah. And people wanted to get invited. (laughs) So by the appearance, it would seem that Annie had everything she could ever want. And I, I guess materially... She did, but the Irish blood in her kept her from being contained forever. Thank goodness. Her husband, Richard, wouldn't allow Annie to have a driver's license. What? I know. So when she would go to the grocery store, she rode her bike. She had one kid in the front, like between the handlebars, which I don't even think is safe. Right. And then two kids in a trailer behind her. Oh, my goodness. Um, So the little one strapped on the handlebars. Yeah, I just can't even imagine. Nothing really was hers. She was given a grocery allowance once a week, 
So she wasn't even, like, she didn't get a credit. Like, yeah. Right. So he controlled everything. And besides his control issues, the neighbors also gave him a wide berth because he was the neighborhood curmudgeon. Oh. Besides those, Richard started to become physically abusive as well. He was a professor at a local college, and rumors started swirling that he was being more than flirtatious with female oh. students. Annie would receive letters from mothers of the college girls explaining what was going on, and he would totally deny it. Even when Annie got her, you know, she dressed up like Get Smart with a <laughs> trench coat. Right. She followed him over to another spot. Exactly. Yeah. Cute, but. Next, yeah, but desperate. Right. Followed him to the next town over. She sees him cozying up to this young woman in a booth. And when she approached him later, yeah. he totally gaslighted her. He said he was just having a drink, nothing more. She was saying things. And while he was with this young lady, he was so focused on her, he didn't even notice his own wife sitting nearby in that trench coat. Oh, my goodness. How devastating. I know. She had so wanted to believe him. So um, she went out there not to prove that he was doing it, but to prove that he wasn't. And then she found out, oh, they were right. And he just kept telling Annie that she was imagining it and that there was, Mm, you know, there was nothing to it and that she was thinking there was more to it than there was. Annie had left a couple times with the kids, but every time their father would find them, sweet talk him, telling Annie that he would change. And like too often is the case with domestic abuse, she would go back. I mean, it's comfortable. Right. She has stuff taken care of. You know. So one night, he came after Annie with an axe, and the kids intervened. <sighs> an axe. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. The girls, scary. very scary. And then they said that just the look in his eyes alone without the axe was very scary. The girls threw themselves on top of their mother to protect <sighs> her. Lori said the look in his eyes was frightening as if he could actually harm all of them, not just the mom. The next day, Annie borrowed a car and they left. Remember, she doesn't have a driver's license. Wow, well, she's just going. <laughs> yeah, sounds like um, Cruella DeVille with her driving because Lori said that she went either, she said the stop sign, she was stopped, or she went 65. And this woman had to weave in and out and make sure that no one was following her. Right. Um, she kept telling the girls to keep their heads down. She kept looking over her shoulder because she was worried her husband was following her. And... Even though they were staying in a hotel that was within 10 minutes of their house, they took an hour to get there because she had weaved around making sure that, you know, he wasn't following them. This time she stayed away for good, thank goodness. She found an old dilapidated shack out in the middle of nowhere, and the price was right, $100 a month. Wow. But the kids cried at the the sight of it. You can imagine. They were used to nicer things. This place didn't have electricity or running water when they first moved in. That meant they had to go to the bathroom outside for a while. Wow. So the, the sisters, yeah. the two sisters were envious of the brother because he had it much easier running right, outside. Right, that's easy. Than, yeah. The shack had been used by local teens as a hangout. There was drug paraphernalia, mold all oh. over the place. Things were broken and didn't even have a front step to get up the front door. But still, Annie preferred to that to the abuse. She kept the kids there. It wasn't long before Richard found them doing what he always did, claiming he would change his ways and do better. But Annie stuck to her guns and stayed, you know, yeah, Yeah. finally. She still, in front of the kids, always put on a happy face, making the best of the situation. She often sounded like a Hallmark card, talking in platitudes and reminding the kids of the silver lining, which I do love that. Yeah. Even after making it more of a home, it was still in a super poor zip code. And you know how cruel kids can be. Right. 
Kids most definitely know this, and I'm sure these kids were a sight since Annie wasn't receiving any alimony or child support for quite a while. Eventually, the courts would appoint her $300 a month for all three of the kids. Wow, that doesn't seem to cover much. And after the court issued child support, Richard suddenly wanted custody of the kids. Mm. Her mom didn't have an education, so she had to work, you know, wherever she could to pay the bills. They lived on spaghetti, were often hungry, plus they couldn't afford a telephone. When her mother would fill out paperwork for school, she put an N.A. for phone number. Oh, my gosh. And Lori still hates seeing that to this day because it takes her back to that embarrassing feeling of being so poor. One time, a teacher called her up to question why she hadn't filled in the phone number, and she quietly explained, begging the teacher to not make her say it again in front of the classmate, you know, in front of the whole class. yeah. Lori said from then on, the teacher took pity on her, which was sweet, but she said it only made her feel worse. Yeah. It was just another way people were looking down on them. Yeah. Felt sorry for her. They continued to make the squatter shack a little more homey, despite the teenagers continually vandalizing the place. Oh. They'd break in and trash it, what little they had. Her parents had bought them a Magnavox television, and that was a big deal. Yeah. But someone broke in, stole the TV. They replaced it, only to be stolen again. In despair, Annie told the kids she had a perfect way to put an end to the break-ins. A watchdog. Oh, there you go. That dog was really the first animal on what would become the funny farm, and he did his job. After they adopted the German shepherds, the break-in stopped. Yay. Yes. So dogs are good. Definitely. When the kids would have to go to visit their father, he'd immediately make them change out of their dirty farm clothes and into something more acceptable. Not because he was thinking of the kids, but it still, it was his image. Yeah. Which is so ironic since the whole neighborhood must have disliked him. I mean, you think he's fooling. I I know, exactly. Just himself. You'd think he'd care a little bit more about character, but it was all about his image. Where he was always thinking about himself and impressing the ladies, Annie was always thinking of others. There was one teenager, Jimmy, in their town who had lost his parents, his mom to cancer, and his dad, I want to say, to a stroke. The poor guy was all alone, and on top of it, he was gay. This was at a time where it was taboo, way before the word ally was even in our vocabulary. With just their shack and barely enough food to feed everyone, Annie invited him to live with them. Wow. I know. Her heart just impressed me, always looking out and caring for the underdog. He stayed in his car on their property. Uh-huh. I mean, they, yeah. they had like a one-bedroom place. There was right. no room. But still, I loved that she, what she had, she, she offered. Yeah. It's probably because she understood what it felt like to be the underdog. She'd been controlled and abused, and I think working labor-intensive jobs both on and off the farm was easy compared to the life she lived before, being abused. She worked at some of the um, animal shelters, and one time a tiny foal was brought in. Something was wrong with its legs, and the vet said it needed to be euthanized. Annie begged to take the horse home and see if she could nurse it to health. She told them that she'd shoot it herself if she thought it needed to be done and just asked them, begged them to give her a chance. So for at least a month, they lived with a horse in their house. In this tiny house, if you want to call it a house. I just, I admire this woman's heart. Definitely. And tenacity because I could never, ever have a horse live in my house. With her loving care, the foal thrived. And speaking of horses, that was Annie's mode of transportation oh, at times. Wow. She would ride the horse to her job at the paint store and leave him outside tied up with a feed bag. Oh. <laughs> no 
wonder this lady had a reputation around town. But still, I'd rather be known as the crazy animal lady rather than the cheating curmudgeon. Oh, for sure. When she did finally save enough to buy a car, it was equally embarrassing for the kids. Lori said it was a vomit-colored <laughs> comet, I think. Oh. And I'm pretty sure that's um, the car my great-grandma had, but mm-hmm. I remember hers being more like champagne, a pink color. Okay, anyway. yeah. Even with the guard dog, things started happening at the house again. Their electricity was cut. The car tires were slashed. Oh, no. Only to have them, she replaced them, and yeah. they were slashed again. Paint was tossed on the car. It wasn't the same type of thing as the teenagers, but it's instead it seemed more personal. Yeah. No one said it, but I think they all questioned that it might be their father. The farm grew, and thank goodness their landlord kept the $100 a month deal because they had the extra mouths to feed with the, right, the animals, <laughs> all the critters. <laughs> it was a win for him, though, because it kept the squatters out, and the family was in charge of any repairs. And Annie kind of teased that for every dollar that was for them, it was matched a dollar on the animals, which I'm sure didn't help with their poverty situation. Still, they were gaining so much more than anything they'd get with money. It wasn't stuff that made them popular at school necessarily. Well, at least until Annie brought Harry in for show and tell, and the kids just loved this cow. Oh, wow. Cow (laughs) show and tell. Yes. Some of the popular kids were jealous oh, that Lori got to live on a farm with all these fun critters, having no idea of how envious Lori was yeah. of all of their luxuries. Isn't that how it always is? The grass is green. I know. With every, and in adulthood, too. For sure. Lori especially loved Harry since he had helped make her some friends at school, and he had helped change their opinions of her. One night, they had some type of meat with dinner, which wasn't common. It was usually just noodles and sauce. When she found out the cow had been slaughtered and her mom had gotten part of the meat for caring for Harry, poor Lori was crushed. I can imagine. I know. Annie had made a deal with the owner that they would get some of the meat for her care. So if she raised the cow, she would get part of the you know, part of the meat when he was slaughtered. So she explained to Lori that she had no choice. And Lori loved Harry the Hamburger. That's what she titled him in in the chapter. And couldn't consider eating her friend. She went and made a mayonnaise sandwich. Oh, my gosh. Which I've never heard of that. I haven't either. I do love that she was particular with her mayonnaise. There's only Heinemann's, which I think is um, Best Foods. So we have Best Foods on the West Coast. I think that's the East Coast version of Best Foods. But my family's been particular with their mayonnaise choice, so I get it. When Annie would swap out cheaper mayonnaise and put it in the fancy jar, Lori could tell right away. And she'd be like, stop serving me this. I think my dad got me thinking that only French's mustard was acceptable because that's my Heinemann's. I'll skip mustard altogether if it isn't French's. Do you have any weird food things that are like that? Um, Let's see. I kind of do like my mayonnaise. I mean, Mm -hmm. I hate to admit it, but I like some mayonnaise with my French fries. Oh, really? Oh, my gosh. And that's kind of gross. I've never tried that. I know they talk about French fries with Frosties. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh, I've had that. Yeah. Um, mm. I, the first time I had it was when I was in college over mm-hmm. at Pullman at the Coog. <laughs> um, and they serve steak fries with okay. a little side of mayonnaise. Oh, mayonnaise. Oh, yeah. wow. I have so never it sounds that. gross, but... Hmm. My family teases me and says, oh, you like aioli. Because <laughs> that sounds fancier. Yeah, that sounds better. <laughs> the mayonnaise. I, I do like aioli, but... This little ragamuffin family just kept moving forward no matter what they faced. Lori sometimes would catch her mom crying, but Annie would quickly turn it around. And she tried to, you know, not do it in front of the kids, which... Yeah. 
bless her heart. It was refreshing for me to have the reminder that a good cry is not only acceptable at times, but probably necessary too. You can only hold so much in. I know, exactly. (laughs) After her cry, she'd reevaluate and charge ahead. And she did have a little saying about crying, which people will just have to read the book because I don't want to repeat it. But she did have some of her own sayings, which were very, very cute. I love that she never gave up. She might break down and cry, always on her own, but she forged her own trail despite the challenges. When someone cut their electricity, she made it a fun game for the kids to read by candlelight. Keeping it positive. Yeah, well, pioneer time. Yes. Inside, she must have been crushed. Like, how am I going to pay for for this to be... Yeah. So the kids were expected to help with the chores, obviously, feeding and cleaning and helping up with helping with the animals. Education was also very important to Annie. So she made sure that they kept up at school and the kids actually did more than keep up. They all were very bright. I think Lori got her love of animals from Annie, watching how her mother cared for them and then getting to know them on her own. They had dogs, cats, rabbits, chickens, and like I said, a horse. (laughs) Annie loved them all, but riding her horse, Shannon, was her favorite. Growing up with an abusive dad who would spank them harder if they cried and always put on a sort of show as he pulled off his belt and prepared to discipline them. Oh my gosh. One time he had a two by four. He was going to hit Annie. Somehow he missed and he hit Stephen instead, causing him to bleed. So I know the kids definitely preferred living with their mom, but still, it must have been a challenge to be the daughter of the crazy animal lady. Oh my gosh, yeah, I'm sure. Um, it's no wonder that Lori loved Norman Rockwell pictures oh. and how wholesome they were. For yeah. Lori, she saw humor, hope, and happy endings in this yeah. work. And I did have to check out a Norman Rockwell um, all of his best work. Yeah. yeah, and I can see, I can see what it she's talking about. It just looks ideal, you mm-hmm. know, like ideal America. And it makes you feel, yeah, just... Good. So much the opposite of her family. One day they came home to find their dogs had been poisoned, all four of them. Sadly, once again, they suspected their dad, but couldn't prove it. One morning, Annie went out to find her favorite horse had been shot in the head. Oh, my god! Yeah, Stephen had woken up like at 2 in the morning and heard this gunshot, but they didn't really think much of it. They're out in the woods. And and then at 6, Annie got up, went out to the, you know, feed the animals, and there was her favorite horse. They pretty much solved the crime in the book, but I'm not going to give any spoilers. Yeah. I did learn that horses love mint. Oh. I did not know that before. I think it's pretty remarkable that all the kids grew up successful. I can't help but think it was love, you know, both from Annie and from the animals. Yeah. Lori loved drawing the animals on the farm, and she turned that passion into a career with a graphic arts company, and she now has government contracts. Well, I'm not sure if she's still doing that, but had a... Uh, business with that did have government contracts she had dreamed forever to buy her mom a proper farm so there was a need unfortunately to expedite the process when they discovered that annie had cervical cancer because she had spent so many years without insurance and was too poor to go to the doctor i think she somehow felt invincible or that she was tougher or for whatever reason she didn't go to the doctor and by the time she was diagnosed there wasn't much they could do the doctor gave her six months to live. Likely caused by HPV, Lori wondered if her father had oh, spread something to yeah. Annie back when they were together, which I can understand that thinking because he had been with a lot of people. She passed just shy of her 53rd birthday after yeah. a four-year fight. Wow. So, so much for the six months. Yeah. It was June 25th, 2000, 
and just two weeks before she got the keys to the farm. But her sister had talked about, she's like, I think mom was finally able to let go and pass and, you know, leave when she knew that everything was in order. She knew the farm, that she knew the animals were going to be taken care of. And even though they didn't actually have it yet, yeah, she knew it was going to happen. And so she was able to finally just be at peace. Honoring her mother, she moved the 35 animals. 35 animals. Wow. How do you do that? I know. From the original funny farm to the new property. I love animals and all, but I got to say that would be a hard promise That's to keep. really hard. Yeah. After all, it was her mother's dream, not hers. Still, she loved her mother so much and felt like Annie was watching over her, yeah. which I love that concept. She wanted to make her mom proud. By 2013, she had 300 animals at the Funny Farm. Wow. Keep in mind, she also had a corporate job. Wow. And she was president and CEO of her own company. Yeah. Besides running the farm. She talked about going into a meeting one time. Not only was she dead tired because chores are early and whatever. But um, she talked (laughs) about going into a meeting one time and discovered dried horse manure on her stiletto. She had to like discreetly take care of it. But... Not only was it time, I know, this woman was just burning. That's a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's physical. That's physical labor. Physical Um, labor. And then she had, you know, mental at work. Yeah, mental stress. um, Not only was it time consuming, it was expensive too. Her feed bill was like $4,000 when she started considering the idea of becoming a nonprofit. Between a, a huge feed bill, a big health scare, and a very big pig, (laughs) <laughs> tipped the scale, and she finally decided to die. Literally, in. huh? Yeah, yeah. This boar was named Bacon. Aww. That was his name. He had come to the funny farm when his family changed their minds about slaughtering him. He'd been fattened up to 900 pounds oh my in goodness. anticipation. Way poor, too big. Poor fella couldn't even move. <laughs> no, I know, exactly. And it, he was too big for his height. It was that pig that would help Lori change her mind. She hurt herself trying to move him and ended up in the hospital. After a few procedures and a brush with death, she decided to go all in with the nonprofit thing. They told her to take five weeks before she did anything out on the farm, but she bought a golf cart and she was out there three weeks, in three weeks, um, to make the rounds to see her kids, which I think is adorable. It turned into quite the attraction, the um, funny farm. It's now on my bucket list, I got to say. Now, where is it at? Um, New Jersey. Okay, cool. They have volunteers between 3 and 80. Wow, that's great. Isn't that awesome? As long as the child is accompanied by an adult, they're invited to help out. Mm, After all, that's how Annie was raised, to roll up her sleeves and get to work. They have an Instagram account that you can follow. It's very sweet. Um, They have like a wish list on there for donations. I just love how the farm, Lori and Annie, have brought the community together with that farm. I love, too, how it brings people together. It gives people opportunities right. to come together and help. Yeah. One day she was having a giant trailer drop off 300 hay bales. As the trailer... Uh, yes, this That's is... That's a lot like, of hay. As the trailer pulled into the gate, a huge storm rolled in, and rain was threatening the thousands of dollars worth of feed. Wow. So she asked for help on social media. I mean, she just puts it up on Facebook. Yeah. And out came some guys to help on their lunch hour. She said they worked um, like the guys on Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. <laughs> I watched that as a kid. I need to go watch I, it. Yeah, I remember that too. I haven't, yeah, I'd like to see that one She again. also talked about singing with her mom, Laverne and Shirley. Well, I love Laverne I and love Shirley. the show, but did, they must have had an album that, or something. Well, they said that song. 
the song. Way. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't to look remember that. that but they must have sang some. I don't even remember the opening song. The me. And she also talked about Fonzie singing. So that's why I think she's, oh, she's wow. our yeah, age bracket. Totally. But, um, so she said they looked like the Seven Brides for Seven Brothers guys. They set up their own bucket brigade and they got it done just in time before the first drop started. Wow. And remember, this was on their lunch hour. They gave that's up their so lunch hour to head out and help. There's good people out there. Exactly. I love that Chucky the German Shepherd is their ambassador. He's got a book. <laughs> um, he's another story of a creature Lori just couldn't give up on, even though he had been condemned to death, not once, but twice. Someone at work bought this puppy through a breeder, but couldn't get him to stop whining and throwing up. She said oh. he, yeah, she just couldn't keep him. She addressed it with the breeder, She and the breeder returned the money, but when she wanted to return the dog, the breeder was like, I don't want it. Oh. So the dog was going to be euthanized. But Lori took him to the vet where he was diagnosed with mega esophagus. I have no idea how to pronounce that, but it's what it sounds like. The esophagus is just too big to properly move food or water down into their stomach. So he couldn't get anything down. He would just throw it back up. She did a Google search that told her it was more common in dogs than in cats and more common in German shepherds and is linked to inbreeding. So you can imagine how furious she was. But with Annie's determination she got from her mom, Lori just wouldn't give up on the little guy. Her boyfriend was pretty great, too. I mean, he did not want another (laughs) animal on the farm, but Lori just couldn't say no to this little little pup. He even built her a special feeding chair for him. The Chucky show became one of the most popular things at the farm. (laughs) And I love that they've used him to teach kids a lesson. Yeah, They said, we used his story to help kids understand that it's okay to be different or have special needs and to ask for help when you need it, just like Chucky did. We also emphasize how important it is to be kind to others who aren't as strong and to stand up against cruelty and bullying. Right. Not only has Lori written a book, so has her diva chicken, Adele. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Seriously, this is a diaper-wearing chicken since I guess they can't be house-trained. Okay. (laughs) She rescued this chicken. She's written written an anti-bullying book, and she teaches acceptance, teamwork, and the importance of getting done, or getting along, excuse me. There are so many fun stories about the farm animals. Like I said, those alone made this book worth a read. They were my favorite part. There were times I was crying and the next minute laughing. Tears <laughs> like a roller eyes. coaster. It was, but a happy one. Lori always wondered as a child, while well, people have to look down on others, and I think that was a pretty grown-up question. She also pointed out that some of the largest donations her nonprofit has received have been from the poorest areas. And I think we we talked about that with Terry Fox, too. I think he found that same conclusion, came to that same conclusion. I also find it so interesting that her father, who was all about status, appearance, right. and control, really didn't leave a mark. I mean, so this guy, when they had to go clean out his house, he had had another, you know, girlfriend and she was like no he doesn't have kids in his insurance stuff he said no kids so he just written them all off and he was a creepy guy too because when she was like an older teenager she was in this grocery store in their town with a boyfriend and she was like this guy was this creepy old man was looking her up and down and giving her the eye and she was just grossed out she realized it was her father. Oh, my God. So she grabbed her boyfriend's hand. They and didn't get anything out of the story. Yeah, she's like, that was my dad. So I don't think he got a nose job. He got an eye lift. 
And I don't think that or the ladies made him happy. On the flip side, the woman who had absolutely nothing, no reason to even leave a will at her death. Right. She didn't have a will. She made her mark in so many ways and continues to today. Every single animal saved by the funny farm is because of Annie and her dream, plus the love and determination of her daughter to see it through. This story of love and determination inspired me in so many ways and taught me a lot. As a child, their neighbors heard the blood-curdling fights, yet never notified authorities. We need to care more for others and be willing to get involved. I admired Annie's gumption, for sure, going from a socialite throwing parties to the not-so-glamorous farm life. I love that it gave Annie, Annie purpose to care for her family and rescue those hurting animals. No one had rescued her, and she wanted to give those critters a better life. She knew they deserved more. I think I'm mostly inspired by Lori, though, honoring that promise to her mom. I admire that she was willing to open those wounds and share the ugly to honor her mom in this book, but also to teach us some important lessons. Never look down on others. Instead, look around and see how you can help. The Funny Farm is successful because of her leadership, vision, and their volunteers. 600 animals rescued all because people wow. came together to do the right thing. I want a movie. Yeah, that movie. sounds like a, that would be an awesome movie. Well, remember we bought a zoo with uh, Matt Damon and yeah. Scarlett Johansson? I want to see that one again. Oh, so good. That's so good. I, I want to read that book, too. So, yeah, I want a movie about this. And I hope that Lori, Adele, and Chucky keep writing books <laughs> of animal tales. T-A-I-L-S. Being kind. And reminding us to do hard things. Never look down on anybody unless you're helping them up. Reverend Jesse Jackson. I didn't know much about Queen Elizabeth. Oh, yeah. But I guess she had a moving carpet precede her, according to Princess Diana. She had a quote about that. Um, apparently, she owned more than 30 Welsh corgis throughout her life. Wow. I loved seeing photos of dozens of Welsh corgis dressed in royal attire. Yes. Yeah, I've seen some To of honor that. the queen. Aww. Proper hats and all. These dogs are definitely pampered and cared for, but sadly, that isn't always the case. In the U.S., we have so many dogs in shelters, and unfortunately, too many of them end up euthanized. A little bit of good news, though. Animal relocation in the U.S. has helped with euthanasia rates. It's helped them plummet. Oh, good. Last March, they celebrated 200,000 animals being relocated. Wow. So, in other words, they might move dogs from one state. Well, like, you hear about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, we had the... The puppies from yeah. somewhere in the south. So With the beagle. Beagle, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, states that have too many, like Mississippi, can move to states that don't have enough for their need, like Massachusetts. It not only saves dogs, but creates a capacity to help more types of animals. Right. So my sister told me about this guy in our neck of the woods, Estacada, literally woods, who's doing his part to improve the quality of life with every dog he encounters, even if it's just with pets. You know, he gives them loves and just watching his interaction with dogs makes me smile. The sheer joy on his face. I mean, it just spreads when he's just sitting there loving on the dogs. For two years... Lee Asher traveled across 49 states to promote adoption, Mm. spotlighting certain shelters and rescues. And that was before COVID. So COVID hits, but he didn't let that stop him. Instead, he put down roots and created a nonprofit dog sanctuary. This guy is genuine and funny, totally raw because there are, there's at times his language, but, and it's unscripted and he's doing (laughs) what he can to help discarded and unwanted dogs. Although I did 
um, just see a TikTok that showed him rescuing a parrot. But oh. I, and I saw one with a kitty, too. But in general, I think mostly it's dogs. I was just impressed. He drove up to get this dog who had clearly been neglected. Um, and he was being surrendered to the Asher house. Instead of lecturing the guy, making the situation worse, he gave him the benefit of the doubt. And I, I heard on his little um, podcast yeah. that that's what he tries to do. He, he, he wants people to give him grace and know his intentions and that his heart is right. And yeah. so he, he lives that way with other people, wow. which I really respect. But um, he gave the guy the benefit of the doubt and they moved forward. And I know that situations like that, you know, trigger him just like the rest of us. But his approach is much healthier for the animals and for the humans. I watched a video of him picking up Mildred, a dog. <gasps> Cute. So it's adorable name. name. Yeah. So emaciated that she couldn't walk. She was so close to death that the video comes with a warning. I mean, it was awful. I at first texted my sister and I'm like, I can't watch this. And she said it's, it has a good ending. But... I know inside he had to be furious and just, right. you know, words couldn't describe it. But you know, on the outside, he was just giving her hugs and telling her how great she was and that she was going to have fun with her new family. Just breaks your heart to see this poor girl try to walk and she just can't. But fast forward and there's a happy ending. Okay. She's, you know, gaining weight and part of the pack at the Asher house. There's so many happy endings at the Asher house. The website alone is just fun with positivity. Yeah. They, they spell with a out, paw. Yeah. <laughs> um, with positivity, That's love, cute. and laughter. People can go buy cute merch and see headshots of his oh. dogs. It's adorable. And his names are cute. There was one chubby guy um, <laughs> in one of the videos. He looked like a lab mix, and he... He's a little bit on the heavier side, and he he was just screaming at la- and having such a good time Aww. because he had never seen him swim before. And wow. I mean, I think he needed to work on his swimming. He said, "Get a little um, workout yes, program." Yes, he was getting a workout for sure. But he also said that a life jacket was next on the list. <laughs> he needed it just in case. Because um, although you know, with him being chubby, it should have floated. But yeah. How he engages with the animals is inspiring itself. It's clear they are loved. He laughs with them and truly treats them like family. His podcast said his goal is to just help people have better days and get animals adopted. Give yourself a little time limit because you could spend a lot of time. You get sucked in. Exactly. But go check out his account on both Instagram and TikTok. I'm guessing Facebook too. If he doesn't make you laugh, he'll at least make you smile. And the dogs will melt your heart. And he's definitely my kind of influencer. That's awesome. That's so Very cool. cool. We live in a world in which we need to share responsibility. It's easy to say it's not my child, not my community, not my world, not my problem. Then there are those who see the need and respond. I consider those people my heroes. Fred Rogers. Thanks for listening to Tangential Inspiration. We really want to hear from you. Email us your comments or story suggestions at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com or leave a comment on our website, tangentialinspiration.com. Our website has all our podcast episodes, show notes, stories, follow-ups, and links to websites and books we talk about. Like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, and you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a great week.